Morning everyone, my name's Liam. If you haven't met me yet, um, nice to meet you, very formally through the microphone. Um, Jacinda's right, it is a bit daunting getting up here and speaking. I guess being in church is pretty different up the front to many other things. Um, but I just want to jump right into it with a question this morning. Uh, who's got an advent calendar? Just raise your hand if you've got one. Yeah, there's quite a few actually. Um, confession, I don't have an advent calendar. I guess being 22 and recently moved out of home does have its downsides. Um, no more chocolates for me, but it's good, it's, it's good for me. Um, as a kid, I always thought advent calendars were just about chocolate, right? The month of December was just getting chocolate. But as I grew up, I really learned about what this thing of advent was. And it's the month that we get to celebrate Jesus coming. And this week is actually the week where we get to celebrate hope. And that's just what we're going to do today. Um, and I think that's real cool, as God's really been leading me on a journey um, of how I explore this hope and where I find my hope over the last year or so. And that's just what I'm going to share with you today. Just this journey of hope with a few stories along the way. Um, and to start off with, we actually need to see what is hope. Uh, often we think of it as just wishfully thinking something will happen. Right? I hope something will happen. So there's stuff we all hope for, and I'm just going to share a few of mine today. So the first one, uh, I am a huge football fan. Right? A huge football fan. And there's a big game on tomorrow, Manchester City versus Man United. I really, really hope Manchester United will win. The second thing I hope for, one day I hope that I will be able to learn to surf. Now I've got a surfboard but it's kind of holding me back that I don't actually take it out, but I still hope that I will learn to surf. Um, and one thing for me that was really important that I hoped for throughout my life was that I would be taller than my brother, right? my older brother. But I sent him this yesterday and he said that unless I go get reconstructive leg surgery that's not actually going to happen. Um, but I guess the thing that I really hope for in my life, and I'm still hoping for it today at 22, is that one day I will be able to grow a beard just like Stefan. Um, you know, 22 years and I get this. Um, now, if these things were to happen, they're all good stuff, right? They're stuff that I hope for. But my question today is that, is hope more than just wishfully thinking something will happen? So we're going to explore these two questions. Where as Christians do we find our hope, and what are we meant to do with it? Now, growing up in Sunday school, my hope was pretty easy to define. If I believe in God and I do enough good stuff, I really, really hope that I will go to heaven one day. And I have an eternity to hope for, which is pretty awesome, right? But as I've grown a tiny bit older and journeyed through a bit more stuff, I guess I've started to wrestle with where do I find my hope day to day? On a rainy Tuesday morning in the middle of winter and I don't want to get up, what do I hope for in that day? And I want to share a couple of stories of God just being real obvious um, and real powerful here on earth uh, to me and those around me that kind of changed this thinking for me. The first one, um, as a kid and as a teenager, I was very insecure about my size. I'm kind of nervous sharing this. Um, I was real small and I felt it. I felt weak, I felt powerless, um, and I felt inferior to others around me. I was very, very small. I believed that I was insignificant and my voice didn't matter. Going to Intermedia, I got picked on for my size as well as being called a nerd for some of the grades I got. Um, things spiralled and I hated it. Uh, depression and anxiety kicked in at the age of 12 and all I knew was that I had to leave my school but I just I didn't know the route out. Um, and to cut a long story short, God miraculously intervened and within a week opened doors for me to go to Kingsway. And it might seem like such a small thing just changing schools but that was the most miraculous thing that God could do for me. And I still struggle with these stupid insecurities today but I know that God led me out of a dark place in that. The second one, almost three years ago, I traveled to Kolkata in India with some friends to visit a business called The Loyal Workshop. And they operate in the darkest places of Kolkata, 
rescuing women out of the sex trafficking industry and giving them new lives working in a sustainable business with leather products. And one of the stories that I heard from one of these women, um, she was saying how when she was working, still trapped, she had a man appear to her, came in through the door, and all he said was, your freedom is coming. Now it wasn't until a year later where she found this freedom and she found Jesus that she told the story and she said, Jesus is that man that came to me. Her life changed and was never the same. My thinking of hope just being about a ticket to heaven, that Sunday school hope, was absolutely shattered as I saw God's heaven and his kingdom breaking into earth today. How then did my hope for heaven relate to the absolute goodness that God brought today? These questions I was asking are beautifully summed up by a guy called N.T. Wright, and I don't think it's a sermon if you don't mention him. But he explores this tension between these two things where he says, firstly, what is the ultimate Christian hope? And second, what hope is there for change, rescue, transformation, new possibilities within the world but in the present? And the main answer can be put like this. As long as we see Christian hope in terms of going to heaven, of a salvation which is essentially away from this world, the two questions are bound to appear as unrelated. But if the Christian hope is God's new creation for new heavens and new earth, and if that hope has already come to life in Jesus of Nazareth, then there is every reason to join the two questions together. And if that is so, we find that answering one is also answering the other. Now when Jesus came down to earth, he said some pretty radical and pretty awesome stuff. But right smack bang in the middle of his most famous sermon ever, the Sermon on the Mount, he taught us to pray. And he said the Lord's Prayer. And there's a line in there that goes, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as is in heaven. Jesus himself told us that we can ask for his kingdom to come on earth today, just like it will be in heaven. So our hope then is found in God's goodness and restoration being alive in each and every single one of us today. If you have a Bible, I just want you to flick to Hebrews 6. Uh, there's an incredibly powerful piece of scripture there where it talks about the certainty of God's promise to a man named Abraham. Now, Abraham isn't in Hebrews, but he's one of the first dudes in the Bible we find in Genesis. And to give you a bit of context, his wife couldn't have children, right? He couldn't start a family. But what God did then was pretty much the most miraculous thing he could. He came to Abraham and he said, I will make your descendants great, your own bloodline. And what hope that would have brought to Abraham with he couldn't have kids, but God's saying this thing to him. Um, it then says in Hebrews 6 that because of the way God made this promise, we are able to take hope, hold of the hope set before us with verse 19 saying, we have this hope as an anchor for the, for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. So to answer the question of where as Christians do we find our hope? Well, hope is God blessing the descendants of an Old Testament man who couldn't have kids. Hope is God bringing freedom to women trapped in absolute injustices in Kolkata in India. And hope is a small boy living in the north of Auckland, growing up to find out his voice matters and he's not insignificant. There is a hope that God is calling me forward and not just leading me as I am. I heard a really cool little piece of wisdom from a guy called Dan Sheed, who is the pastor of Central Vineyard and also my first youth pastor. And he said that the idea of hope isn't just for today and it isn't just for tomorrow, but hope is the bridging between the present and the future. Although we may struggle today, hope gives us the bridge to get up out of there and into a new place. Now, over the last year or so, I've really come to realize 
um, through, through various places that stories are the most powerful things we have as humans. The stories of our own personal joy and of our own personal brokenness and sadness really let others into the deepest and most intimate places of our lives. And so to answer the question, what are we meant to do with this hope we've been given? I just want to throw this out there. We are absolutely designed to tell a hopeful story with our lives. Everyone has a hopeful story. Whether we see it or not, uh, whether it's obvious or not, God is up to some really, really cool stuff, left, right, and center in our lives. It may be obvious or it might not be, but even the smallest things of wrongs being made right, of brokenness being fixed, and of relationships being restored point to the hope that we have. Now, this doesn't mean that every, everything we say and every story we tell is going to be filled with rainbows and unicorns. It just means that through sharing the stories of our lives, we are pointing everything to Jesus. And there's also a fundamental truth that we have to hold on to for us to be able to tell our own hopeful story. And that's this. We have to realize that we as humans are characters in the most hopeful story that has ever been told in human history. We are God's creation and our identity is found in him. No matter what story we tell, let it point to Jesus and it will bring endless hope as we tell it. So if you're feeling like tomorrow is just a bit far away, well, there's a brokenness inside of you and you're not really sure where it's come from. Uh, I resonate with that at times. Um, I just urge you, begin to listen to the hopeful story inside of you. The story that says God loves you and is working, in th working to make things better. And as I finish, I just want to leave you with my favorite piece of scripture. And I feel that it perfectly sums up how as both storytellers and characters in God's hopeful story that we are meant to live. And it's Micah 6.8. And it says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So let's be people who seek justice, allowing God to bring restoration and healing to brokenness. Let's love showing mercy by loving those around us. And let's walk humbly with our God. In doing so, entering us into his amazing hopeful story. God is in the business of making things better. He's in the business of making things right. That's how we know he's in charge, and that's the source of our hope. So let's tell it. All right, I'm looking at you, Mr. Stefan. Come on up. That was awesome, right? Stefan's going to be fab as well. Come on up. I'm going to pray for you real quick, and then just let's get on with it. So Lord, we thank you for Stefan. We thank you for the gift that he is to us as a church family. And Lord, we pray now that you would come and that you would equip him for this, that you would uh, settle his heart and any nerves, and Lord, just that he'd be able to rest in who it is that you've made him to be and to bring what you've put on his heart to, speak, to share this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Morena whanau, or good morning, family. My name is Stefan. Um, if I haven't met you yet, uh, Olivia is my wife and we've been here, coming here since the start of this year. Um, and let me tell you, it's been a great year. I'm going to continue on the theme of hope um, that Liam kicked off so well. Uh, I think it, what I'm going to say actually flows on quite well um, from what he said. But except, I do apologise, I didn't quote NT right. Um, so hopefully it's still kind of you know, a message. Um, Anyway, get into it. Uh, Livia and I like to read books, occasionally. Um, 
but in my opinion, actually, Livio isn't actually very good at reading books. Um, <laughs> but it's because uh, she, she doesn't like to stick to the reading etiquette. I don't know if that's actually a thing or not. Um, but, you know, just imagine reading a book, you're right in the middle of it, chunky, right in the middle of the book here, and something goes wrong. And Olivia gets so invested in it, she, she gets quite stressed, she wants to give up. Um, so what she does is she just flicks right to the last few pages. And, and then she reads them. And um, <laughs> I think it's ridiculous, but anyway. It gives her, it gives her this hope that she knows that the story's going to end well. Um, unless, of course, it doesn't, but then she just gives up on the book and then upcycles it or something like that. But the key here is that she needs the confirmation or the knowledge um, that everything's going to work out. And this knowledge is enough for her to get through the real tough times. And so the awesome news for us today is that Jesus has revealed the last few pages to us of his story. We already know that the story ends really well. Um, and I tell you, it's a doozy of a story. Uh, as part of um, the, the leaders track was mentioned earlier, as part of that earlier this year, I read a book, um, which was called The Biblical Metanarrative um, by, by, who's it by? By Bill Jackson. Um, I loved in this book how it presented the whole narrative of the Bible in three different levels. It should be coming up. There is the overall big picture, which is God's massive narrative, right? Just big stuff. And then underneath that comes the strategic picture, which is basically the strategy of how he makes that big picture come to, come to light. And then down the bottom, we've got the detailed picture, which is the people stories, the real detail, the nitty-gritty of how everything really happens. The big picture is quite simply summed up into five points in the, in, in the, um, in the book. The first one is creation. Um, God created the heavens and the earth, and then the fall of, of people, Adam and Eve, um, who ate the, the forbidden fruit, then redemption in Jesus. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection sparks this redemption and then restoration which is Jesus handing over to the church which is us by the way and then consummation which is Jesus coming again now this consummation uh, quite coolly is, is, is said very similarly in two different verses the first being Isaiah in the Old Testament uh, which says look I'm creating new heavens and a new earth and no one will even think about the old ones anymore. And then again in Revelation, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth has disappeared. Now that last point gives us hope, and that is an awesome story, and it's one that we cannot take for granted. But for us, currently, we're, we're living somewhere in the restoration stage. God is restoring his kingdom through the church. The happy ending hasn't yet fully come to pass, but we do know that it's going to happen. This is, this is explained pretty well. Let's have a look at 1 Corinthians. This is chapter 15, verses 51 to 58. It's a bit of a long one, but it's a good one. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. 
It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. These are a couple of scriptures from the Old Testament, again from Isaiah, again from Hosea. Uh, it says, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's pretty cool. That's, that's the final pages revealed to us. But this time that we're living in, uh, this, this time of restoration, it's a tough time. We're constantly challenged. There's no shortage of tough times, and I think we're all very aware of that. But my favorite verse that helps me in times like this is found in Ephesians. Ephesians 2.10. I think this is really cool. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the things he planned for us long ago. This verse reassures us that we each have our own purpose, our own works to do, or mahi to do. Do the mahi, you get the, you get the rewards. And he has created us anew through Christ to do these works. But it's just as we are, God has created each of us as he intended us, just as we are, to join him in his works. I've also put the message version up there because I think the last bit is quite funny. Well, it's worded quite funny. It says, work we had better be doing. But it's true. It's funny because it's true. Because this is our very purpose. Our reason for existence is to join God and to help him in the work that he does. Now that, that is the ultimate source of hope. Just like uh, Liam said, I love stories. Um, so I've got a couple to share as well. There's, there's one that I came across on YouTube actually quite a while ago. Uh, you may have already seen it. Um, you may recognize it. But I'm not going to do it justice, so I still recommend seeing um, But anyway, there was a preacher in London whose name is Dr. Francis Dixon. One Sunday he heard a testimony of a young man at his church. The testimony was about how the young man used to live in Sydney. And one day, he was walking down George Street, which is a main, uh, a main city in Sydney, sorry, main street. I've got a picture of it up here. And uh, as he was walking down, uh, a small white-haired man, old little man, popped out in front of him, and he confronted him with a question. He said to him, excuse me, sir, if you die tonight, are you going to heaven? He probably said it a bit nicer than that, I don't know. But however he said it, the question bugged this young man for months um, until the point that he actually searched for some more input, searched for some more help, and sparked by this, he ended up giving his life to Jesus. But soon after this, Dr. Dis Dr. Dixon, he heard a similar uh, testimony of someone else from a youth group um, in the UK as well. He also gave his life to God because of the little old man on George Street. So amazed at these two stories, uh, the preacher, he began to share them. I think he traveled quite a bit because he got around the world. Um, and during his travels, he came across many more stories like this. 
who all gave their lives to Jesus because of the little old man on George Street. These people included some things like there was a, a corporal from Adelaide, a young man in Perth, a couple of pastors back in the UK, an Indian diplomat, a couple of missionaries in Jamaica, and a chaplain in the United States. Pretty wide range who all at some point were in Sydney for whatever reason and were confronted by this man. It's probably just touching the tip of the iceberg, who knows how many people. Um, but eventually, Dr. Dixon, he made it to Sydney and he, he sought out this little old man. He managed to find him, um, whose name was Frank Jenner. And as he told Frank about all these encounters, tears were just streaming down his cheeks. Uh, because this little man, this little man, this old man, <laughs> he had been witnessing to people for 40 years. He, he had quite a transformation himself in his own life. And since that point, he committed that he was gonna to witness to at least 10 people every single day. But in those 40 years, he'd never heard of one person who was impacted in a lasting way through his encounters until this point. And so he had no idea the, the impact that he actually had, but he served anyway. It's, I think it's just such an inspiring story because even though Frank didn't see any fruits of his work, he persisted. And I think that the thing that really sustained him through all this time that allowed him to keep going was hope. Just like my wife Olivia, who prematurely reached the end of books, he knew that God is overall victorious. He knew that he, he knew his part in the story and he knew the end of the story as well. So the challenge for us is to keep focused on this hope. When times are truly hard, to remember that God is in charge, that he is victorious, and we can have hope in him. Thankfully, God still does give us reminders today as well. And so I'd like to finish with one of these reminders. One of my good friends recently had a horrific tragedy in her family. It was the death of a beautiful little two-year-old girl. Now, none of this family have Christian faith at all. But uh, during the funeral, they released a few doves as a symbol, I guess as a symbol of hope. But about a month after this, which is just a few weekends ago, the mother of the little girl was hanging out washing in the backyard and a little dove came up to her while she was doing that. And it had a tag on its leg and it turned out it was definitely one of the doves from that funeral. Now this dove had never been to the family's house before but somehow it made it back to the mother of the small girl. And it was just such an awesome experience and comfort to the mother in such a hard time. And I think it's also just such a, a cool encouragement to all of us that we can pin our hopes in him because we already know the story has a happy ending. So whether we're experiencing challenging times or fruitful times, let us all be reminded to keep our eyes fixed on the hope that is Jesus Christ. He is the one who has revealed the last few pages of the story. Wasn't that good?
Right, and for our last of the three, why don't you welcome up Nikki Skinner. Can I just say too that um, we have got a incredible uh, large number of women at Coast Media that have just got such remarkable gifts and talents and we're just so keen to see them flourish in everything that God has for them going forward. So I'd just like to pray for you and then I'll hand it over. Okay, so God, just thank you for, for Nikki and a great blessing on her first time. Church. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Nikki and I have been given the honour of briefly sharing with you this morning. So as um, Stefan and Liam have already um, said, the second week of Advent um, is traditionally the subject um, of hope. So as I started thinking about what God might want me to share on this huge topic, conversation came to mind that we had at our life group the other week. Just while I'm at it, shameless plug for our life group. We are awesome. My husband, um, Jono, who you met just before, um, we run it with the Westons. Um, so next year, come check us out. Anywho, back to this conversation. So I can't even recall what um, the topic was that we were talking about, but we were discussing the vineyard theology of the kingdom. Josh um, actually summed it up beautifully. Well, more accurately, the now and the not yet theology. So some of you will be nodding your heads, um, familiar with this concept, but for others, you'll be like, what is she on about? Don't worry, I'll explain um, a bit more about that in a minute. So this theology, which is basically just a way of thinking about God, which the Vineyard Church identifies with, was actually taught by Vineyard founder John Wimber, who had his understanding of the shaped by one of the most important New Testament scholars of the 20th century, a guy called George Alden Ladd. I want to talk about, a bit about this theology because I feel that if we have a firm grasp on it, it actually gives us good reason to hope this Advent season and actually all year round for that matter. But first things first, what is hope? Hope is to trust in, to wait for, to look for or desire something or to expect something beneficial in the future. You only have to turn on the news these days to hear about more mass killings and atrocities being done to individuals and people group all over the world, of poverty, of disease, pure acts of evil. It can make even the most optimistic of us start to lose hope in humanity. But th thankfully, we have something else to put our hope in, someone else. So back to why we can have this hope. So John Wimber explained the kingdom through the lens of the now and the not yet. What he meant by this was that Jesus inaugurated the kingdom in his first coming and consummation will occur during his second coming. Now those are big words, 
But basically, it just means Jesus came and started something, but it's not yet complete until he comes again. So we live in this tension of the already and the yet to come. Now there's some churches who have a theology which states that the kingdom of God is either entirely future or entirely present. So on one side you've got those who state the kingdom is not actually relevant for today. God doesn't do miracles, um, the gifts of the Spirit were for, for Jesus' time um, and not actually available for us today um, because the kingdom of God is to come. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you've got those Christians who respond to the tension by actually ignoring the reality that there's suffering continues in our world. They think that the kingdom should always be experienced and demonstrated here and now or something's wrong. If we don't experience a moment of physical healing or personal transformation, it's probably our fault. These people believe that unanswered prayer reveals a lack of faith in us. And we better do something about it if we want to see what God has promised to do. So at the vineyard, we choose to step away from both of those extremes and seek to embrace the intention of the now and the to come. This means, so if we're taking um, healing as the illustration, that healing comes because the kingdom comes. So instead of us having ultimate authority and power to heal based on what Jesus did, we look for signs of the kingdom drawing near to a person and then we partner with this inbreaking of the kingdom. It means that when we pray for the sick, some will be healed and others won't. It means that with faith, we pray confidently for healing and entrust the results to God. I don't know about you, but that makes me sigh, a, a big sigh of relief, that the ultimate outcome lies with God and the pressure's kind of out of our hands. Our responsibility is to look for where the kingdom may be breaking in, to sense God's prompts to act in a situation, but the rest is up to God. So how does this give us hope this Advent season? So as we live in this interim time, the kingdom of God to come is our future hope. We rejoice in the fact that Jesus came, bringing us this new hope. And we rejoice in a day where scripture tells us that all things will be made new and every tear will be wiped away from the face of the brokenhearted. Revelation 21. There will be no more innocent girls enslaved in the sex trafficking industry. There will be no more cancer. There will be an end to poverty. God will one day right this world. This is something that can give us hope. There was a scripture on hope that stood out to me when I was doing um, a devotion the other day. And I thought I'd just use the last few minutes just to share a bit about what I got from it. The scripture was Romans 5, 1-5, which says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only this, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, proven character, and proven character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God's hope has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 
So hope is mentioned twice in that passage. The first mention in relation to rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God, which is what we've just been talking about. But the second is a little bit more challenging. To rejoice in our sufferings as a means to cultivate hope. It took me a while to get my head around that and what I think Paul is trying to say. But I think it comes back to the attitude of knowing that we will have trials in life because we're living in the now and the not yet. And we can use those sufferings we go through, which Paul says develops in us perseverance and develops our character, to propel us to grow in our hope of the glory of God to come and Jesus coming again to bring his kingdom to completion. So this Christmas, we can be thankful for the story that God has written, which he's invited us to be a part of. This story gives us the ability to have this hope, this peace to know that our lives on earth have a purpose. We are not some cosmic mistake. There is someone in control and that this life is not all there is. Through our belief and faith in Jesus, we are guaranteed eternal life. I don't know about you, but that gives me hope and abundance. So I'm going to finish here with a scripture that is my prayer for all of you. It's Romans 15, 13 to 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. chewy subject when you start looking at uh, kingdom theology brave brave lady so uh, that was great could I just say too that um, you know, when John Wimber was as the founder of the vineyard movement was uh, exploring this whole understanding of the theology of the kingdom of God uh, a number of, of others were as well and uh, um, the teachings of George Alvin Ladd that Nikki mentioned as well as others but but today, you'll find that teaching, Kingdom Theology teaching, it's mainstream teaching in, in Laidlaw College, which is our you know, premier uh, seminary Bible uh, college in New Zealand, Kerry Baptist College, the same thing. It's mainstream teaching now. And if you're going like, well, oh, there's a few chewy things there, then could I encourage you, maybe read some books by George Alden Ladd. N.T. Wright does a lot of stuff on the Kingdom. Yeah, N.T. Wright. Um, and um, because... There was times when Jesus would talk about the kingdom that is to come. And then it's the next day he'd cast, some, cast a demon out of someone and say the kingdom has come. And so there very much is this now and the not yet of the kingdom, which is can be very challenging for people as they uh, work out their faith. But, uh, but a, a solid understanding of kingdom theology can make you just lean back and just relax into, um, into the God that we, we serve in terms of it's, it's so much of what happens in life is, is, is in His hands. And uh, we pray because we eat the kingdom may come, uh, but we can, uh, we can handle suffering because there is two kingdoms that are battling each other in this world. There is another kingdom that seeks to bring pain and suffering. So um, that's why we pray for people. We pray for him. We pray for um, demons to be gone, demonic oppression to be gone from his life. We pray for
pray for people's salvation. We pray for um, for the hope of glory. Why don't we stand together? As Liam started off by saying, uh, December is Advent, and in many of the traditional churches, uh, Advent is, is followed very, uh, very clearly through the four Sundays leading up to to Christmas. Uh, there are there are different candles that are lit on different Sundays diff- that mean different things, and uh, the second Sunday is the is the hope candle. Uh, and for many, and mostly the sort of the, the five and unders, <laughs> December's exciting, heading towards Christmas and all of the, the fun that comes with that, mainly about like, what am I going to get um, on Christmas Day. Uh, but, but for some, I know too that uh, Christmas uh, can, be, can be challenging. And because it reminds us of loved ones that we used to celebrate Christmas with that aren't with us anymore. It can um, remind us of our loneliness when others are gathering and um, celebrating with, uh, with their, their loved ones and with friends that, are, um, that just aren't part of our, our reality. It can be a season where People are longing for hope, and I, I would just like to invite the Spirit of God to come now. And if you are someone this morning where it's been a hard year, and as you look towards Christmas Day, the weight of some of the tough times of the year is outweighing the joy of the festive day. This, the, this. Day that that does bring, you know, joy to the little ones. But for you, it's a little, a little low on joy because the weight of the events of the year are uh, are heavy. Could I, could I just ask us all? Let's just let's just close our eyes, and I'm just going to invite the Spirit of God to come and bless you with this with with hope. Holy Spirit, come now. Just come and meet your people who you love. Spirit of hope, come. Come and reside in, in our hearts, God. Pray that you transform the the weight of the burdens of the year, God, to, to to a lightness of hope of glory. Just reminded of that scripture where it talks about Jesus talks about you how because of the hope of glory, the hope set before you, you endured the cross. You endured the pain and the death of the cross because of the hope 
that was before you. And God, may, may that same hope be ours this morning. God, where people are in financial difficulty and the weight of that is on their shoulders, come, God, and lift lift that burden with your spirit of hope this morning. God, for people this morning that, are, that, are, that their, their kids are on their minds, their kids are, are in a place where uh, it's it's unhelpful and unhealthy and uh, and there's just that burden of of sadness and and fear and worry that 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 their lives aren't going to be able to be the fullness of what they could be and I pray calm God with your spirit of hope this morning with your spirit of hope and again just plant in them God a, a hope that that things will turn around God that you would you would give them faith add faith to their prayers God that they would be able to step into uh, praying God with uh, with with a hope that results in, in, in a reality of God of, of seeing things change Some of you, you have plans for 2018 that are, are risky and adventurous. And uh, I just want to pray for you now. God, I pray blessing, God, as people are stepping into new things with um, believing that, that you, are, you are with them and for them. God, I pray blessing. I pray that you would prosper them. I pray that you would uh, watch over them, that you would guide them and lead them, God. that you would be near to them and that you would be their peace in, the, in where there could be the potential for anxiety. Just as we're here now, if there's anyone that feels particularly as we've been praying that um, I would love some people to gather around me and, and pray for me. If And we'll just do it where you are. There won't be any walking up to the front. But if you want to people around you just to, to pray with you. There's something special that, you know, having others add their prayers to your prayers. If that's you, why don't you just pop your hand up there and uh, and we'll get some people to come around and, and, and pray with you. Is there anyone here that would like prayer? just finish together this morning just with uh, with singing we'll let's go with a, a song in our heart a song that we a song of the, the goodness of God in our heart that we can uh, head into the the rest of our day uh, thanks again Liam Stefan Nikki for sharing They're good
Oh, at least finish with this. 